Hello, Spotlight friends. Welcome to another episode of Ave Spotlight. Today, I am with my new friend, Bobby Angel. I'm so excited to talk all about gaming. And you might be thinking to yourself, Chanel, what do you know about gaming or video games or anything in the virtual world? And the answer is not a lot. So the solution is having a friend that knows more than me. So this will be a great episode. I'm really excited to have you on, Bobby. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So I got like a little preview of your book. And when I was initially reading it, I was thinking about when I was younger and I got my little sister and I would spend time with our older sister and go to her house back in the early 2000s. And she would have like a PlayStation and we would play like old Pac-Man and like Galaga and what's that? It's like Dick's, Dick's Dug, like the one where the dude like digs under the ground. Yeah. Um, and just like old, old, old games. And I just remember feeling so like having so much fun getting to new levels and looking so forward to going to her house. Those are back in the days before they had memory cards. So you had to like just keep the PlayStation on for 10 days <laughs> and just completely bleed your electricity. But it was so fun. So I'm so excited to have you here to just, you know, hopefully bring up some nostalgia and talk about how, you know, video games can actually bring us closer to the Lord. So I would love for you to share a little bit about yourself for everyone listening. Yeah, this is a topic near and dear to my heart. So I can't wait to break it open with you. It was a gift to be able to do this book with Ave. I'm excited for people to get it and to read it. I am a Florida man, born and raised in the Tampa Bay area. I discerned the priesthood for a little while after college, but really felt called to the married vocation. And I've been married to my wife now for over 10 years. We just welcomed our fifth child this summer. And I've been a teacher and a campus minister. I love to write. So this is my third book. We've done a lot of media ministry, my wife and I podcast form on YouTube with Ascension Presents. And we just have been so moved by the gospel. We just love giving back, we, especially we love giving back to youth, hmm. to teens, young adults, because that's where the Lord really reached us. That's where we fell in love with the God who has wrote us into being through love. It's not a bunch of rules. It's a love story. And hmm. he takes nothing away. It's all our creative talents. It's all our athletic abilities. It's our hobbies. It's our creativity. And that includes video games. And as like I said, I, I just feel so blessed to be able to um, kind of be the older man in the room to at least start this conversation that I've been waiting for other people to start. And I pray that the topic's really picked up by a new generation who who understand all the platforms, Twitch, Discord, a lot better than I do. Because I'm I'm in like the tired parent stage of life. You know, I wrote this book really as a way of um, like speaking to my younger self mm. who wondered, could I love video games and love the Lord? Is is this an either or thing or can can both coexist? Mm. And that's that's kind of what I said this to connect the dots with in this book, as well as affirming like for people that are really passionate about video games as either just a casual hobby or really invested in them. Sometimes it's like, what does this have to do with God? Mm. What could this possibly have to do with religion? Quite a bit. Mm. And that's what I get into in the book, like that desire for for beauty 
for a mission and a purpose. Hmm. Like only you can save the kingdom. Ooh, that's a word. That's a word. You know, like we call that vocation. Like you have a calling. Like we want the hero's journey. For some people, it's community. Like they, they play to play with others. I'm more of a solitary gamer. Solitary gamer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, everyone loves Mario Kart. Everyone loves these games where you're just kind of going at it with friends, either in the same living room or across the world. Hmm. Like some people, it's the community aspect. I want to be with other people. Beautiful. Because you were made out of the image and likeness of God, who is a communion of persons. Like no man is an island. We're meant to be with one another. So it's like, so praise God. So I just loved unpacking all this stuff to show like, hey, video games have a lot more to do with God than you you realize. Word. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm really excited to like break into that. I have a question for you though. So I shared about my first kind of like video game, you know, intro. So OG Pac-Man, then Pac-Man World when they came out with like Pac-Man World 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. So fun. Then like Kingdom Hearts was my big segue into oh. like Storyland video games. Man, I remember playing that and I didn't eat for like three days. I would just sit in my living room and just play that forever. So fun. And my sister and I would just play, play, play. So like those are my kind of entryways into just, you know, diving into that mission world fantasy, really wanting to accomplish something like that. And what was your kind of most vivid memory of a video game that kind of launched you into that world? Yeah, and I love this question too, because this is my favorite icebreaker when it comes to this topic, because everyone smiles. Video games are such a nostalgia-like machine. Like it takes you back to sitting on a living room floor or an arcade or somewhere where your hands first touch the controller and like I'm controlling this, this thing and feeling the challenge, the frustration of failing and then wanting again. Let me do this again. Let me do it better. That feedback loop, you know? Yeah, Kingdom Hearts, like beautiful music. And I remember playing like, this should not work. Like Final Fantasy characters and Disney characters. And yet it did. It was great. I cried. It was uh, so, (laughs) so good. Oh my gosh, so good. Wow, yes. I remember like first game ever was like, original Mario and Duck Hunt. Oh, wow. And you had to get the the plastic gun super close to the TV and you would still miss the ducks (laughs) and the dog would laugh at you. So it wasn't a lot of fun. But age seven or eight, my uncle loaned us a Super Nintendo and let us borrow it, quote, and he never asked for it back. Fair. Super Mario World was kind of the first like, like that's where you got to ride Yoshi for the first time. It was just so colorful. It was so, the mechanics were great. And it was like, that sucked me in. Mm. And that generation of 16-bit games uh, between Super Nintendo, a friend had a Sega Genesis. And you kind of saw like, whoa, these can be, these aren't just like mindless, button-crushing, just wastes of time. Like there could be really beautiful stories here. There could be really beautiful music, even like with the MIDI synth of the day. There's some amazing melodies. And everyone knows the Mario theme. Mm, by the way, yes. like they yeah. invested in the music, they invested in composing those melodies to stand the test of time. Did you see the the Mario movie, the Super Mario Bros? Okay, I was just about to ask one if you've seen the Mario movie, and then two if you've seen Ready Player One. Have you seen that? I've seen both. I took my kids to the Mario movie. That was their first official movie in the theaters. Was Super yeah. Mario? 
Oh my gosh. I teared up a couple of times. You were like a fun dad. That's like, that's, that movie was so good. And I know that I introed with like, what do I know about virtual world? But I think base level, all of those things like you were mentioning earlier, it's just so nostalgic. And the nostalgia of playing Mario Kart with my friends after high school and just like singing the songs or like, dressing up for Halloween and one of us would pretend to be the box and then one of us would pretend to be Mario and like jump on each other. It was just so fun and silly. And how did your kids dig it? What did they think? They've gotten much more familiar with the characters now, but like it makes no sense to a child who really hasn't played Nintendo. It's very colorful. It's cute. But my, my seven-year-old was like, so he eats mushrooms and he gets big <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, like, like it's the most logical thing ever. And yeah. she's like, and they have to get go-karts to get to the place on time. I'm like, yeah, go-karts. Of course they do. <laughs> and she's like, this movie's weird. She's like, break it down for me, dad, because this seems like kind of silly and like it doesn't really make much sense. But yeah. Yeah. Now they love it. And, and I, I got this in the book. I begged my editor like please can we just throw i know the book is about to go to print can we please throw one sentence in the book just noting that that film super mario brothers had the all-time opening weekend for an animated film whoa with 375 million in worldwide sales it dethroned frozen 2 so the number one animated film opening weekend goes to a non-disney movie it goes to a movie based on a video game I did not know that, but honestly, that makes a lot of sense. When I walked out of that movie, I think I cried like twice in that movie. I have no, like I'd never played Mario Kart heavy like that, but I think I cried twice just from even reminiscing of like when I got good report card in eighth grade, the first thing my mom got me after begging for years was a Game Boy Advance and I played Yoshi's Island on it and I just like... I had to, I bought like new batteries with my allowance and I would play it every day. And just like the emotional connection of those games. Oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. That and Jack Black, that makes sense. I feel like we, as we're getting older, now becoming parents and leaders, hmm. we understand the value of video games as this worldwide phenomena. Pikachu is, a, is recognized all over the world, just as hmm. Mario, just as Sonic the Hedgehog. It's kind of become the new like bowling league where this is where people are hanging out. This is where people are finding community. Like you have the people you regularly play with. You have the, the language around like, you know, the movies we all love, but it's also like the games we've played and the games that have like matured in their storytelling. Absolutely. That it, it rivals the best of Hollywood. And you're also spending 40, 50, 60 hours with some of these characters. And this is why most video game movies don't live up to it because it's like you're trying to cram into two hours like what was meant to be a long journey. So I remember sitting um, in my teenage years playing and I'm, I'm getting involved in my youth group and really starting to believe for the first time, starting to believe in what the church teaches, believe in, in the presence of God, that he is real and knows me and, and sees me. And I, I was wrestling with this, like, but, and, and so video games then became kind of this moral question of like, like any medium, the medium is not the enemy, like mm. a book, a movie is not bad in and of itself, but there are certain books, certain movies that I shouldn't read, watch, play. 
So the discernment of that started to come in. And also, like, can I really be a disciple and still do this? Because I remember growing up, we have athletes. We have plenty, plenty of examples of faith-filled athletes. Like I think of Tim Tebow, um, Stephen Curry. You've got coaches like Tony Dungy. Hmm. And it's like, I never saw that with video games. It always kind of seemed like you had to pick one or the other. But I think, again, as we are getting older, we're seeing video games are not going away. They're not this just in your parents' basement kind of phenomena. It's like the gamification of all sorts of apps is readily on display. You've got video game engines, which have like John Favreau used for his version of The Lion King. He used mm. like an unreal game engine. Wow. Same thing with The Mandalorian when they used this big set was essentially like the actors walking in a video game simulation where they're moving the the camera around as if it's in a pre-made level. Whoa, that's amazing. And it's it's so interesting because it's like when I think of things like Sonic the Hedgehog and Pokemon, it almost feels like those things transcend video games in their origin because I don't even remember the fact that like Pokemon was a game. I just remember right. it as like a show. And then, you know, as a show that we would all watch growing up. And then my mom played it when she was younger. And then I saw the movies and it was just one of those things where it just kind of grew out of its origin. So that makes so much sense. I'm curious. So for people that play games and you especially in kind of your conversion and growing in your relationship with the Lord, how did you come to that connection of like, you know what, I can do this and still be on this venture to grow in holiness? Because it doesn't have to be something that's, you know, for lack of better words, like growing in holiness doesn't have to be lame or corny. And it can be something where you're like, hey, I'm playing this dope game. I have this community. I have these people that I know from all around. It has great music. I'm just going to sit on Twitch for a couple hours and play this game and talk to people and whatever. Um, and it doesn't have to be lame. And so many times people will think, well, that's like a contradiction because you can't do something that's media-based in that way because it's not directly affiliated with, you know, maybe organized religion, or et cetera, but we can still draw beautiful things from it. So how did you kind of acknowledge and grow in that knowledge? Yeah, for me, it was, it was first of all, asking like, what ought I be playing? Like, are there mm. certain games that are just like, it's not leading me to a better place mm. morally, or the content just isn't that, isn't helping me. And then it was a question of time, like how much time am I putting into this? And this is, I think, where a lot of young people will stumble is, and I remember a priest one time challenged our youth group, he's like, you should pray, uh, every hour you play a video game, you should pray for an hour. And I'm like, whoa, hey, father, hold, hold on, slow down. <laughs> whoa, chill out, yeah. And But that like question of moderation of like, do I control it or does it control me? And mm. they're fun, they're enjoyable, we get lost in play for a reason, like Praise God. But especially as I've grown in my vocation, being called to marriage, now fatherhood, it's not proper for me to play six hours a day if I'm neglecting my spouse, my kids, the work I have to do to support them. Like there's a question of time and what's appropriate to your state, but also we're incarnate beings. So we we are in fleshed souls, like we have bodies. And I remember during COVID, 
like we had all these liturgies, we had mass online. And praise God, we were able to keep in touch with one another and the calendar of the church. But for Catholics, it became very clear of like, you can't, we cannot receive the Eucharist online. Mm-hmm. Like ours is a, is a faith that has to be embodied. And I'm very much a man of, of like the middle of finding the virtuous mean between the extremes. So it's like, use the virtual for good, glorify God with it, note where there is beauty. Um, as I said, there's community, there's beautiful stories. We're seeing so many great stories in, in games today. But also, again, to to hold one foot in the real world, too. How am I serving others? How am I putting God first? And it's it's every season of life, you know, college years, young adult years, vocation, like you're kind of figuring out, too, because I, I spent a couple of years in the seminary um, considering the priesthood, and we would play video games together. But I saw there, too, guys that, like, you can play too much, like, and neglect what we should be doing. It's just kind of looking at, okay, why do I play? Is it to escape? Like, is it a, a bit of stress relief? That's great. But again, how many hours am I playing? What am I playing? These are the questions as a disciple to ask where it's not an either or, it's the both and. It's I can appreciate beauty, great storytelling, community, but then also know when to put the controller down. So the majority of this book is affirmative because I want it to be an evangelistic tool for any young person or not so young who loves games, doesn't really see what they have to do with God, who wonders maybe, can I be a disciple and love video games at the same time and also be a healing agent for families? Because I see a lot of families where parents and children are not on the same page. The kid feels misunderstood. They think this is just a waste of time. The parents are concerned like about how is my child going to be in the real world? What are they playing? And the child feels like mom or dad is not even taking time to see what I like about this game. They're just casting judgment and blame and wagging a finger. And so I've seen it like cracking open this conversation can be really healing for for families. Hmm, absolutely. So the majority of the book is is affirmative of video games. There is one chapter devoted to the pitfalls hmm. because some developers, especially like phone games, like free to play games, they make them addictive for a reason. Like they get you in for free, but the hoping you're going to start spending real world money way more than you would ever spend like on a one time cartridge. Absolutely. I know. I I know someone that got to level like 17,000 of Candy Crush. And they were like, you need to buy tokens so then you can get new fruits or new like weapons or whatever. And she was like, okay. So then she spent $40 on that tokens. And I was like, girl, what is that? Like, what does that even mean? And she was like, honestly, I don't know. It just came up so fast and it's linked to my Apple account. So I, was, I already did it. So it's like, it happens so quickly. And the younger and younger we are playing these new modes of games, like we don't necessarily have the maturity or discernment to... Be like, wait, hold the phone. Like, yeah, they're trying to suck you in. Mm. But I, I end on, again, that use it for good. Now I see guys like Jonathan Blevins, and I've seen priests and nuns on Twitch, like, evangelizing. Like, not having to only talk about Catholicism, but embracing all that is good, true, and beautiful. Mm. And always, again, kind of bringing Christ in underneath the surface. Because if it is true, if it is good, is beautiful, God is there. God is in that. 
and to draw people in through video games is such a, a can be such a beautiful means of evangelization. And I end the book using the example of Blessed Carlo Acutis. Oh, he's like the first millennial on the way to sainthood. And he died in 2006 of a very aggressive leukemia, age 15, I believe. And um, he loved Pikachu. He loved video games. He was this Italian teen that was by all means normal. Like his classmates loved him, but he was deeply into his faith. He had a deep love of the Lord. He went to daily mass. He prayed the rosary. He knew when to put the controller down and go serve the poor, to go to mass, to put first things first. And he he died very quickly, very young. But there have been many miracles attributed to him, to his intercession around the world. He loved to code. He he created a website devoted to Eucharistic miracles around the world that is still active today. So his thing was like video games can be and, and the Internet and technology can be an atomic bomb for bad. Of course, it can also be an atomic bomb for good. So I use him as the here's here's a model like here's a relatable our generation model for embracing the both and of video games and a call to discipleship to the Lord. Wow, that's wonderful. And I mean, what a name drop. He is so cool. Um, And I'm wondering, I mean, before we hopped on this call, we were talking just a little bit about kids and you mentioned about how they really just open up your sense of wonder. And Mm -hmm. I think for me, and and maybe for you too, but it's like the older we get, sometimes we we lose that sense, right? We're not silly anymore. We don't play games. We don't like laugh. Things are just too serious. And I have to remind myself all the time, like, it's just not that deep. Life is okay. Like, I can laugh. I can chill, whatever. But especially when I'm thinking about certain games, like my mom just found our old Wii oh. from years ago and I plugged it in the other day, still works. I was just playing Just Dance by myself and I was like, this is so fun. Like, <laughs> I forgot how fun it is to just be silly. I found all my PS2 games the other day and I was just like, I think I'm going to keep this with me just for my whole life. I'll just bring it to every house I have and then I'll just have friends over and we can play PS2. And I'm like, that would be, and initially my thought was that's super silly and people will think that's lame. But then I thought, you know what? It's just awesome to expand your mind and have just a sense of wonder and fun and silliness. And how do you think, do you think actually that video games kind of bring people that? And that's why they have such a big return because they bring a sense of wonder that a lot of people have lost. A hundred percent. And I think your smile when you brought up the we said it all. Mm. There's something about the human condition that games. Mm. We love games. I remember telling my dad about this rise of esport arenas where people watch other people play video games. Yes. My dad is, is watching baseball as I'm telling him this. He's a big, big Red Sox fan. And, I, and he's like, People would, would go and watch someone else play a game. That's ridiculous. And I I look at the TV and I look at him. I look back at the TV. I'm like, yeah, it's ridiculous, Dad. You're like, the call is coming from inside the house, Dad. It's <laughs> He thought about it. He's like, all right, point taken. <laughs> and and it, is, it is kind of a brave new world of all these like esports. And to that regard, like the metaverse and chat GPT and all, all like the way tech is going. But when it comes to games, there is something so human about gaming. I spend the first chapter getting a little philosophical, but just the fact that 
humans from time immemorial, we play games like the games of Rome, the Olympics, like chess, uh, the Egyptians, the Greeks, like, and this goes to um, like Scrabble. This goes to Jeopardy. This goes to like FIFA and the Super Bowl, like everyone games. And there is something delightful about that that make and is very human endeavor, which we can say if there's a game, there's a game designer. Mm. So I I sprinkle it in too. Again, I, I was a teacher and I'd have many um, self-declared atheists coming in age 14, 15. I'd be like, okay, kid, like let's hear your let's hear your arguments and let's see where this goes. And you know, the argument from first design of like if if the universe and all its complexity exists, like it's either totally random or it's not. And if there's a, a game like the Legend of Zelda just doesn't drop out of thin air, there's a game designer and a lot of people that worked on this thing. And Zelda in particular, it's the same guy who came up with Mario, who came up with Zelda. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And very creative guy. And he tapped again to this childlike wonder of he grew up in Japan and this kind of urban area. And he loved getting out of the city going in these hills, finding these waterfalls, and that sense of exploration. I never know what's over the next hill hmm. is what planted the seed for Zelda, where any of these games where it's like a sandbox open world thing where you can't see the map. But the more you explore, the more the map starts to open up and you start to realize how big the world is. And in a time period, as you said, like, we as ours, where so many of us, there is cynicism. There's just kind of a, a spirit of meh. Hmm. Like we've Google Earthed everything. There's nothing really left to be discovered. And the modern, like day to day world we're in, doesn't offer that sense of mission, purpose, excitement. Video games do. Hmm. In these worlds, I can go to ancient lands. I can be the explorer. I can feel like my life has a purpose now. Great. Like video game developers understand that about the human condition. I need I need purpose. Hmm. The, the problem is we when we only find it in the virtual hmm. because I can affirm the art that is there. But also we need to um, know for ourselves and also to witness to others like, yeah, and the God of the universe has a great mission and purpose for you here in life, too. Hmm. I'm a big Marvel fan, although I have become fatigued with all of the Marvel content. It's hard for me to keep up. I know that Loki season two is coming out soon, and I'm like trying to remind myself to watch season one. There's like so much. I am so behind. But it reminds me of when Wakanda um, or Black Panther came out. And I just, well, one, I just like root for everybody black. So I was so excited that there was just going to be a movie with lots of black people in it. But then two, it was just so cool to like imagine that there's this world where like it's beautiful, there's dancing, there's waterfalls, there's fighting, there's different like cultural Tribes. expressions. Yep. Yeah, I was like, this is so crazy. And every Marvel movie that there is, it's so fun to kind of believe that there's this other place, you know, and mm. it's based, it's usually like based on Earth, and you know, that we live in. But then it's so fun when they come out with things like Miss Marvel that came out on Disney Plus, where she like lives on Earth as we are, but then she like is able to communicate with Captain Marvel who's outside of space and time, who's doing other things. And it's just like so crazy. And I and the way that 
my friends and I, like we're in our thirties and our hearts surge. And we're so excited to think about the idea that like there's different places and adventures and keeping up on the timelines and the storylines and like, you know, the bravery of the different characters to where our heart breaks when some of them die or get hurt or, you know, exit out of the story. And it's just, it's so amazing how, you know, those stories, like you were saying about different lands and how now if I wanted to see where a Pizza Hut in Kentucky is, I can just Google it and I can find all the Pizza Huts. But in like Wakanda, I don't know where everything is. And then in like Earth 20. 64 in Guardians of the Galaxy, I have no idea what that Earth looks like. And it's so fun to just imagine it. And for me, like sitting in the movie theater and participating in that with other people of like, we're all participating in this event of like, there's somewhere else that we are. And there's some other experience of like, heroism and beauty and like, trust and friendship and it's just so fun and i can only imagine that's what people that play video games feel like of just like we're all sharing a, a lived experience of sitting through this together and it's just like the most fun thing is why i'm sure why people you know those theaters are sold out for like spider-man movies and all of those things because we all just want to experience it together so fun but there too is that that aching for another world mm. like c.s lewis said if if i find myself with desire that nothing in this world can satisfy the only logical conclusion is i was made for another world Oof. like we rightfully get excited for these these fantasy worlds like a wakanda um like the worlds of kingdom hearts you know all the different they constructed like you love venturing from place to place and i think that speaks to the human condition of like we are not meant for this world like we have this vast creative energy that God has given us. Like uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, who wrote Lord of the Rings, was a devout Catholic. And there's so much Catholic allegory and illusion in those books, in that story. And it, he he wrote about how feeling called that we're all little like co-creators with God. Like we did not create the world as it is, but you've been getting, given all the letters of the alphabet to like write your own story. You've been given the different notes on the keyboard to go and construct your own songs. The problem is when we start to think like, oh, I am God. Ah. Like then we're getting off kilter. But his thing is like, no, no, we've been given this great um, autonomy and the blessing of creativity. Use it well. Hmm. You see the response to that, like Middle Earth and and all the lore he created. And those books are consistently like some of the top books like on these literary lists year after year. And it just speaks to the the beauty of the imagination, like the beauty of the creativity. We're made in the image and likeness of God, who is so creative, is infinitely creative. Hmm. So it makes sense that nothing in this world would satisfy. That I want to be a hero. I want to feel great. And we find a lot of the satisfaction in these worlds of entertainment, in these worlds of, of video games where I, yeah, I get lost for hours. Hmm. I'll, you know the mission is to like get to the next marker here and I just want to go explore for three hours instead. Yeah. And then you're like, if I tap on this tree, when I was younger, I was obsessed with the Sims obsessed, mm -hmm. like for, so, so there, there too. It's like, Oh, I'm not a gamer, but I play the Sims. It's like, 
Okay, well. Right? Okay. So, like, my knowledge is expanding. So, when I was younger, The Sims was it. I played that for years. I still have it on my desktop that I'm talking to you on right now. So, like, but I haven't touched it in so long. I might just. But it's, like, so fun to just walk around and be like, if I tap on this tree, maybe I'll go into a different world. Or like, if I catch this enough fish, I'll gain a skill for blah, 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 whatever. And it's just so like fun. And and I don't even think you would believe that the first time I've ever seen Lord of the Rings was like two months ago. And I've been so behind on that whole thing because I guess I just thought it would be too overwhelming. Star Wars is next. I'm just really behind on all of that content. It seems like a lot. And I feel like I missed it. But I watched the Lord of the Rings, the uh, the trilogy, and it was so, I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. The music, the scenery, the story, the fact that one movie was like 17 hours long. I was like, this is just so amazing. Like, and I totally get, you know, as you're talking, I'm like, you know what? I totally get it. Why people yearn for those kind of things, those kind of like emergence into into experiences that kind of pull us out of our own lives, but also inspire us to do other things. Because as I was watching, I was like, wow, I should do something brave. I'm like 30 years old. And I'm like, I should do something brave. I should go help someone. Because <laughs> I'm like, Frodo's so scrawny and little and not really impressive. But everyone has faith in him. And maybe people can have faith in me too. A part of me thinks maybe I missed that because I'm so much older, maybe than the intended audience. But then I think, no, it's for all of us to just kind of like receive that message. Similar to the Chronicles of Narnia. When I watch that, I cry every time. Minus Prince Caspian, because I think that one was lame. But like cry every time for just how good God is and how he wants all of us to be brave. But how he understands how sometimes we just feel like we can't. And it doesn't matter if I'm 5, 10, or 30. And so it's just so fun. I absolutely love that. The best stories do that. The best stories inspire you to do those things. I just feel like I would want to hear you talk about all of these things for days and years. Because you're unearthing things that I am had no idea I even remembered or thought of. I had no idea that I had such an affinity for like The Sims until right now, or just like creating <laughs> those games. And I just remember how much fun I used to have showing my mom, like our family online. And I just <laughs> <That's great. laughs> even doing like mundane things. Like I would tell my mom, I made us like, I ordered pizza to our house in the video game. So then like I earned a cooking skill of three and she was like, well, if you actually, <laughs> she was like, well, making food in real life is also great. But it was like so fun to be able to do that. So that's amazing. I wish we had forever, but I appreciate you giving so much of your time and I'm so excited for your book and just excited to, you know, for it to share with people about how they can truly find, you know, the transcendentals in video games, but then also get away from the keyboard and, you know, do both and. So I think that's really exciting. And I'm curious, where can we find more about you and what you're doing? And where can we follow your whole thing? Yeah, so the book's available at Ave Maria Press. It's on Amazon. I could go on for an hour, but I'm gonna, yeah, thank you for stopping me here. And I hope to be like the first, one of the first starting this conversation. I really want the next generation to pick up the baton, pick up the torch, and keep this going, evangelize to so many people that 
are passionate about games, are lost in video games, and don't know, like the love of the Lord, don't know that God is real, um, have been wounded in some way, shape, or form, and aren't open maybe to hearing about the faith. But this is the way that you can bring it in, is through that ache for meaning, uh, the desire for beauty, or that call to community. My wife and I have a website, JackieAndBobby.com, where we've got different like blogs and, and podcasts and ministry events. And we just we love doing in-person ministry, so we travel quite a bit. Like I said, I'm just really excited for this book to come out and for, God willing, the the conversations and the healing that can happen through this topic. Absolutely. And we'll make sure to put all of that in our show notes. November 10th, y'all, of this year, it is coming out and it's going to be so dope. I can't I can't wait. And honestly, I just can't wait to like crack open my Wii like at 10 p.m. Um, tonight. So. One thing that we ask at the end of every episode is something that gives us hope or something that is going to give us hope in the future. So it could be something in the recent past or something in the future that has given you hope. If you need time to think about it, I can go first. Or if you're ready, you can go. How are you feeling? You go first. Okay, vibes. So something that has given me hope, my goddaughter, who is awesome. Um, Noel, four years old, so fun, so dynamic. She is just like such a burst of light and she's just figuring out like how to have her own. Well, she's always had her own opinions, but she's like having her own opinions just about life. And um, it's so fun because we'll be driving and she'll ask me why the sky is blue and I'll like Google it and tell her why. And she's like, I just don't think so. I don't think so. I think that's not true. After like an entire explanation or she'll ask me like why people need to eat or, you know, why the wild crats on TV is the way it is or why Daniel Tiger lives in his neighborhood. And it's like just so amazing to be there as her brain is working and to also be there as she's just questioning things around her and being critical and being curious. And it just really gives me hope for the future of the world that she's curious and that she asks questions, even though sometimes I'm like, girl, let's just watch this movie. But it's just so nice to like be up in the mix with her. And I have hope that she's going to be someone that really like shakes things up and challenges a lot of people and herself to, you know, to be curious and search for more things. Um, so I'm really hopeful and excited for her. Yeah, that, that brought to mind, I have several former students. I taught at a high school for about 10 years. And I have now them graduating college. And several are reaching out to me still, which is such a gift, like to have yeah. people you taught. Um, I, it was an all boys school. So it smelled awful. And they No, were... I taught in an all girls school. So it smelled like Bath and Body Works. So I get okay. it. Yeah. <laughs> There's no one to impress. So <laughs> yeah. Hygiene was low. So they just were knuckleheads. They could be themselves. But now to see them finding their vocations, saying yes to marriage, saying yes to fatherhood Hmm. at a time where, again, a lot of people are wounded and scared of marriage, scared of being parents. And to have these former students of mine embracing the challenges and the beauty of the married vocation of fatherhood and motherhood, like praise God. So there's a lot of there's a lot of darkness, but Christ is the light and will never be extinguished. 
Vibes. Wow. What a hope, man. Well, again, Bobby, thank you so much for being with us. And it was so awesome to chat. And I really hope that this conversation is inspirational and helpful to those that are listening um, to, you know, maybe take your life a little less seriously. Take a deep breath and it's okay. If you need to play a game, play a game. Go outside, touch some grass, talk to a friend, remind yourself that you're a person and it's okay. Um, Fostering community can be a lot easier than, you know, we think. And there's so many ways. So make sure to check out Bobby's book, Gaming and the Heroic Life, out November 10th with Ave Maria Press. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for listening and thank you so much to Bobby for being our guest. Make sure to check out Bobby's new book, Gaming and the Heroic Life. It's going to be so great. And as you might have heard in this episode, it's really going to speak to a need, a need for a lot of us that are craving something that's outside of ourselves. And whether that's connection or, you know, just a desire for fantasy, I think that this book will help us to recognize how we can really connect with both um, in a way that is virtuous and draws us closer to Christ. So I hope that you guys enjoy it. Thanks, Bobby, again. Um, Talk to you guys soon. God bless.